Welcome into the post-game edition of the Ots and Audibles podcast. And uh, Eric, this is a pretty deflating loss for the Oregon football team. 31-28 at Sun Devil Stadium to an Arizona State team that came into the season, into this game, excuse me, 5-5, five and five, mm-hmm. fighting for bowl eligibility. Uh, Oregon was playing for a college football playoff spot. They were basically in the driver's seat, you know. They kind of controlled their own destiny. Win and you're in, essentially. And Oregon, unfortunately for them, suffered the second loss of the football season. They suffered their first loss of conference play. A nine-game winning streak is snapped. And now Oregon is left to pick up the pieces during a Thanksgiving week game against a Civil War opponent in Oregon State that is now playing with a lot more confidence. Sure. The belief that they could probably beat this Oregon team. And Oregon is going to have to find themselves. And, you know, this is a gonna, this is going to be a gut check week for this Oregon football program, for this Oregon coaching staff, for veterans, for younger players. A lot to get to in, in this loss for Oregon. This is a game that could, in theory, beat you twice. Could, yep. in theory, beat you three times against, because you have to remember, they play Utah six days after the Oregon State game, regardless of that outcome. Sure. Um, they're locked into that back to North. Uh, champion spot, so yeah, it's you have to regroup and you have to do it quickly. And we should mention this week is kind of a funky week too because there's Thanksgiving and there's going to be obviously that impacts the way things work too. So um, this is where we this is a gut check moment, and it's it comes after a game where frankly Oregon didn't really answer the calls and gut yes. check moments. Um, they crumbled at times in that fourth quarter. Uh, Justin Herbert had two of probably the worst throws of his career in, I think, three or four Oregon plays. Both interceptions, both set up Arizona State points. That was a 10-point advantage Arizona State had in a matter of, I don't know, what was it, uh, three minutes or so? Yes. Uh, no, uh, yeah, three minutes. Um, and then that, that was that was critical. And that, that to me, that's where the game was won. I know you can point to the 81-yard Brandon Ayuk touchdown with four minutes to play that really sealed it. Um, you can point to the fact that they didn't score very much or do very much offensively in the first half, but I really think that series and sequence in the fourth quarter um, really was what defined that game for Oregon. Um, you can't make those mistakes, and, and unfortunately it bit them, and Justin Herbert said after the game, just bad decisions by me. Uh, didn't really want to talk more about what happened. Um, he said he, I think he wants to go back and kind of look at the film, but boy, um, when your star quarterback, who's been so good all season long, who I believe came into the game with just three interceptions all season, throws two really bad ones um, in your own territory to set up points for the other team, it's a tough way to get beat. It's a tough way to get beat. And the other way they were beat was, uh, you know, if you you can say Justin Herbert's the strength offensively, the strength defense, defensively has been the secondary and, yeah. and their ability to defend opposing quarterbacks. And yet Jaden Daniels has... The best game against Oregon all season passing, 408 yards, three touchdowns. Um, Oregon really hadn't been beat over the top. Um, they play quite a bit of man man on coverage out there. And uh, first, Frank Darby beats them for a 57-yard touchdown to tie the game uh, midway through the first quarter. And then it's that 81-yard touchdown I mentioned earlier to Ayuk. And those are the first two touchdown passes of the season over 50 yards against this Oregon defense. And they all happen to happen in the same same game. And, and the Ayuk one really. I mean, that was the dagger. Yeah. Um, again, I think they kind of lost the game with those two interceptions by Herbert, but they they had a chance. They had a pulse there at the end. and um, There was like four minutes to go. 
and if the, it was third and 16, if the defense gets a stop there, Oregon's getting the ball back with about, yeah, four minutes to go down three. Very, very manageable. All the momentum is on their side. They've just shown their previous, what, two drives that they had no issue going the length of the field in less than a minute to yeah. score a touchdown. No, absolutely. And that was, that was a devastating play. I'm, I'm trying to think off the top of my head outside of the Auburn. Uh, go ahead, touchdown with nine seconds to open this season. Um, it's hard to think of in the past couple of years of a more deflating single play. Obviously, Stanford that way that way that played out last year was brutal. There were deflating plays throughout other losses, but just in terms of one single play, really costing a team that was that's a tough one to swallow. Um, and with just the way it played out of being, you know, it's again it's third and sixteen that have they're in position here and to get beat over the top um, on a play like that again. Kudos to. Arizona State, as Herm Edwards says, you, you play to win the game, and they certainly did, and they took a deep shot, and it worked. I think there's a lot to address in this football game. Um, let's start offensively. Things were going well. First drive, they went four plays, 29 yards. You know, They had a 25-yard gain on the first play of the game to, to Juwan Johnson. It didn't really do much after that. It didn't, didn't really say. do much after that, um, and then the drive sputtered out, and they punted. But then they got the ball back after a three-and-out defensively uh, by ASU. And they went 11 plays, 80 yards with a touchdown. And you looked at it thinking, here we go. Here comes this offense that we've seen put up numbers time and time again. Uh, ASU ties the game in four plays on a 75-yard drive uh, at seven. And then Oregon goes down the field, nine plays, 69 yards, gets to the ASU six-yard line, faces a fourth and one. Critical sequence. Critical sequence here, the first one of many. Mm-hmm. Um, Oregon chose to run the ball up the middle to the, a little shade to the left with C.J. Verdell. He was stonewalled and stuffed, uh, and it did not result in a touchdown for ASU. They punted the ball after six plays, uh, but points were taken off the board for it a, Oregon. It was a momentum killer. It was a momentum killer, yeah. and I... I, I People are going to question why didn't they kick the field goal? Because when they scored their their second their last touchdown, that would have tied the game up. Sure, you know you, you can argue that back and forth, but in that situation, I'm totally on board with the decision of going for it on fourth and one. Um, you have a kicker that has shaky confidence in Camden Lewis. We have seen him miss two times now uh, field goal attempts inside that area, yeah, right of, in that distance of that distance. We've seen him also miss multiple PATs, and most recently last week against Arizona. So mm-hmm. the confidence in, in Camden Lewis probably played a factor in that, the confidence in your offensive line, getting the, the push that's needed, and C.J. Verdell run, you know, falling over for two yards was probably more than enough reason to go for it. I had no issue there. But after that, after that sequence, Oregon's offense just sputtered out and disappeared. Four plays, ten yards. Three plays, seven seven yards. Halftime. Eight plays, forty yards. Punt. Five plays, twenty-two yards. Punt. And then, like you said, interception after three plays. Interception after two plays. And by that time, it was sixteen to six, uh, late in the third quarter. And or in the yeah, in the third quarter. And and this game was falling away. And I think one key, and I wrote this on the site on DuckTerritory.com, was. Herbert was off. Mm-hmm. Mario Cristobal said the passing game was off. Justin Herbert said he did not play very well. Johnny Johnson said the passing game just, you know, they weren't on sync. And for whatever reason, I think a critical decision by this coaching staff was 
they continued to try and throw the football and every and then despite the fact that a running game was more than efficient they they were operating at a very high level Oregon's running backs through the first three and a half quarters of this football game were averaging over eight yards a carry and I don't think they went enough they they I think they leaned too much on getting Justin Herbert and getting the offense into gear instead of when the game was still a one-score game or a one-point game yeah. even. just Hey, th- I felt like this was a game in which Oregon needed to run the, run the football 50 times or more uh, on the year, and they ran it 28 times. Well, and, and I, you're right. I mean, I think the – I don't – they, they should have continued running the football. You go back to those first four possessions of the second half – they ran the ball down the field pretty well behind C.J. Verdell. I think he had three carries in a row that accounted for like 25 yards or something like yep. that to start that to start the half on their first drive. Then they threw it three times in a row, had to punt it. Next drive, same kind of thing. They moved, and then they picked up a first down on the ground running, picked up another first down on the ground running, and then it was three straight passes, or, or, or I forget if it was a run, and then two passes, but whatever it was, they kind of got away from it, and they ended up having to punt again. And then, like we stated before, it was a couple of interceptions for Herbert, and suddenly now you're down... 24-7 with uh, 8.42 to play in the game, 17-point margin right there, and you can't run the football anymore. And I don't think they really did run it from that point on. It was, and that was the point where you had to throw. Yeah, you have to throw it then. So you've kind of forced yourself into a spot here of if you're able to play the way you're comfortable, which is running the football, you put yourself in a really good spot to win this game. Because like you said, I don't think Arizona State ever really found an answer. Like Verdell no. ran it at five-point yards. 5.5 yards per carry clip. Die at 11.6. Cyrus averaged seven and a half. Both were touchdowns, and those were both near the red or the goal line. But in general, Arizona State didn't really have an answer when Oregon ran the football. And the only time uh, they really were able to find a stop, I think the first half they had a, a reverse with David Davis, and that was a pretty critical play. But like in general, Arizona State didn't have an answer. But because they, they went away plays. from it, they had two plays that they stopped the run game on. The reverse and the fourth and one. Mm-hmm, sure, yeah. And the rest of it, Oregon was had a ton of success. And they got away from it, and you're right. And then they were forced to throw the football. Herbert makes a couple of big mistakes. And we should mention, that was an extremely eventful fourth quarter. I mean, <laughs> it was it was 14-7, to 7, I think, after or 13-7, to 7, sorry, after three quarters. And the final score is 31-28. So, I mean, there was a ton of scoring in that in that final quarter. Passing game did get going. We should mention Arizona, Arizona State was probably playing a lot of prevent, pretty soft coverage there just because... When you have a lead like 17 points, you can kind of back off. You don't want to give up the big yep. play. And, and Herbert really hit Juwan Johnson a ton. Ten catches, 207 yards, had both the touchdowns um, in the final five minutes and 24 seconds. Both times made it a, a one-score game. And we should mention, um, after Juwan John, or Johnny Johnson's second touchdown with 204 left, they're down 31-28. Oregon has a chance of an onside kick. Doesn't work out. Arizona State still has to convert a first down, and the Oregon defense can't get off the field. And I'm not pointing to that as being the determining factor because had they converted it um, or had they been stopped, Oregon would have gotten the, probably had the ball back with, I don't know, like 10 or 15 seconds and would have had to set up a, an opportunity to kick a game-winning field or score that way. But um, devastating loss. And in the big picture, um, it completely reshapes... The entire narrative of the season. Yeah, you go from trying to play in the college football playoff to now... Like you said, it's Rose Bowl or bust, and more than that, and Matt just pulled up the score, Oregon State's up 53-42 at Washington State right now with, I don't know what, a handful of minutes Four to minutes play. Four minutes left. Um, if that result stands, you're talking about an Oregon State team that is six wins coming to Otson with a ton to prove, and, you know, 
you're not going to find a team with lack of motivation. Oregon State, the last two years, lost 69 to 10 and 45 to 15, I think, or 55 to 15. Sorry, um, Oregon has completely dominated these last two meetings, and Oregon State's going to come in extremely hungry. And like we said earlier in the podcast, I think it's extremely important to point out that Oregon State is more dangerous than this Arizona State team. Even though that game's played at Austin, Oregon has to be prepared because. This is not just a rivalry game. This is a game that I think has really hurt the Beavers the last couple of years in terms of 100%. how lopsided it's been. Um, and Oregon cannot fall. If they lose these last two games, they go into that Pac-12 conference championship game against Utah. They could finish. They could go from being ten and one, or sorry, nine and one, to being nine and four, Real like quick. that. And then you go into a bowl game and you go from playing in the college football playoff to I don't know where you're at there, the Holiday Bowl. Yep. Um, and then it's, I mean, that is such a different way that this season ends, and it totally changes the momentum of the season. And honestly, if you go into that holiday bowl and you lose that game, this season feels like a, a step back. Failure. It feels like a failure with the way it started. So um, you have to fight against that. You cannot fall back to back weeks. You can't let this win or this loss beat you multiple times. And that's basically what the message was from Oregon's leaders after the game was over. Mario Cristobal addressed the football team and said that they have to keep that 1-0 mentality that they have had and that they have used that has helped fuel this 9-0 run through Pac-12 play mm-hmm. to start league play. Or 9-0 run since Auburn. Right. Um, and that's what put them in this position going into tonight's game. Obviously, they lost tonight. But Crystal Ball really stressed to the team after the game was over that you cannot let this loss affect you in a negative way. You can learn from it, and that's what he said that they're going to do. They're going to watch film. They're going to have practice tomorrow. They're going to review it. They're going to learn from it, and they're going to have to move on. And they can't let this game keep them in, keep it in the back of their minds and cost them again next week against an Oregon State team that has obviously become much more formidable than we were expecting, much more dangerous, much more talented, much more competitive than we were expecting you know, they a lot of their wins this year have come on the road. Well, they gonna, have they have no fear of going into someone else's house and winning. After, outside of Utah, Oregon State is probably playing the best football in the conference right now. I, I mean, I know that's short sighted because I still think Oregon is the better team. Um, but with the way they've been playing of late, and if they this score holds here and they beat Washington State, become bowl eligible, they're a very scary team. And they put up fifty three points, and a Washington State defense is terrible. But um, that remains a that's a terrible call on that one, by the way. But that that remains a a, a very scary game. And, and again, I, I think I think Oregon's clearly the better team, but they have to they have to move on from this, yep. and, and they have to figure out a way to. And it's both sides of the football. I mean, we talked a lot about Herbert's shortcomings, but the defense was really not good enough. Tonight. This was not their their performance. I mean, most passing yards allowed in three years. Give up five hundred and thirty five yards for for this Oregon defense. Their tackling, I thought, was very poor. Uh, their ability to create pressure on Jaden Daniels was not good, and this was a this was an Arizona State opponent uh, team that had no issues, no issues at all of allowing teams to get pressure. I mean, that happened on a frequent basis, and Oregon could not do that uh, in this football game. Uh, we saw a defense that has not allowed the big play explosive big play through the air all right, year. Right. No one has been able to go over the top of this Oregon defense. And it didn't happen just once. It happened time and again. 
against every single one yeah. of Oregon's good players. It wasn't like one guy in the secondary was picked on and had a bad night. It was everybody. It was Thomas Graham. It was Diomede Lenore. It was Javon Holland. It was Rowan McKinley. It was Brady Breeze. And it was Nick Pickett. Your top six DBs in this football game all got burned. And that was that, – that may be – one of the most surprising developments of this entire game because we knew ASU had talent. We knew they had Brandon Ayuk was, you know, a lethal threat downfield and could do yeah. a lot of damage. But to see how they lost and how they got beat on simple just go routes or double moves, and that was surprising. 100% that was surprising. And, and yeah, it, it, it was a collectively poor effort in the secondary. In particular, uh, Lenore got beat on a long touchdown. Holland got beat on a lo- other long touchdown to Darby. Graham got beat on, um, I think, Darby's second. No, second touchdown was, I think, actually Lenore got beat. Um, so those three touchdowns, Lenore twice, Holland once. Graham got beat on a couple other pass plays, like you said. Uh, it just wasn't good enough. And uh, that's going to have to be significantly better going forward. And you're going to play an Oregon State team that is just as good, if not better, than Arizona State throwing the football. Yeah. I mean, that's how Oregon State beats you Isaiah right Hodgins is better than Brandon Ayuk, I think. Uh, Isaiah Hodgins is probably the best receiver, statistically in particular, in the entire conference. And they're, yeah. going, and they're going to try to throw the football. He's a Blinkoff Award winner finalist. Yeah, they're going to try to throw the football time and time again. So this Oregon secondary has got to figure it out quickly. And I think, really, they have to find a way to get pressure on, on, on Luton. Um, and that's been a concern of this team ever since Gus Cumberlander went down against California what, week five of the football season, game five? That was the sixth game. Sixth game of the football season yeah. when he went down, Oregon's ability to generate consistent pressure has dipped. I mean, they, they've they've gotten some timely sacks from Kayvon Thibodeau and Mace Funa time and time again the last seven, four weeks of the season. Right. But it has not been a consistent attack that we've seen Leading up till Cumberlander's injury, and maybe that's just you know, and we were, we discussed this on during the game of something that we were going to write about. Maybe we should talk about it mm-hmm. instead of writing about it. I think we, real, real quick before we touch on this, we also need to address injuries. Yeah, let's do it really we, quick. We got a ton of re- questions about why Jalen Red was not playing in this football game. Crystal Ball said afterwards that. Obviously, Pittman was out with the injury. Mm-hmm. He's the top four receiver on your team. Jalen Red is your leading receiver from a reception standpoint, yeah. leading receiver from a touchdown standpoint right. on this football team. He did not play, and he said that he got hurt late in the Arizona football game with a sternum injury. He tried to give it a go a couple times throughout the week, and at the end of this, at the end of the week, when they got ready for this football game, he could just not go. He could not play. He was dressed. He was here. But he did not have his helmet on throughout the entire game. And I think that was a big loss for, we, we said on the podcast, Micah Pittman's injury would not, it, it would impact Oregon, but it would not be a killer for them if they didn't suffer another injury and they've now suffered one. Well, and we should mention that Red and Pittman play the same position. They're both slot exactly. receivers. And so it was Josh Delgado, who I don't want to be critical, but he's a true freshman who has not been a big part of the offense. I don't offense. think he caught a, a pass today. He did. He caught one. But he hasn't been a big part of the offense in in, in a really long time. Um, so that was that was one that you that you can't really stomach, and you hope he's available next week. We should also mention, and I think this one. This is a big one. It was Jake Hansen, and he didn't play in the second half. Cristobal said he suffered something at the end of the first half. Um, and they had to hold him out. He didn't know the severity. And honestly, when Cristobal says he doesn't know the severity of an injury, typically that means it's he bad. gets a bad injury. And I, I, I don't want to overstep here, but 
I kind of get the sense that this might be one of those things where we might not see Jake Hansen for the rest of the year. I mean, that's yeah. that's jumping a little bit there. You, we hate, you hate to speculate. speculation, but, but the way he's answered all year, right? It's yes. kind of been a thing. Every injury we've seen that's been significant, whether it's Gus, whether it's Breland, mm-hmm. whether it's been Pittman twice, uh, every time it's been... Well, we need further evaluation. Hanson earlier when he had his con- when he had his concussion. True. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe it's another concussion, which it, which might mean he'd be back by Utah. But but it, it, every time though, when it was a significant injury, every time he's always answered with, I, "We don't know yet. We're still waiting on tests." And he 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 would sometimes say it doesn't look good, or he would say there's you know it it you know he's hurt. It, it, he's got he's dealing with a major injury, and I think. Hanson the second time around falls into that category. Like like you said, you don't want to speculate too much about it because I hate doing it with injuries. But at the same time, that if he can't go against Oregon State, most certainly that's going to be an impact. But if he can't go against Utah, right. that flips the entire game again. From an Oregon perspective. A couple other guys. C.J. Verdell, we should mention, didn't fin- finish the game. That's now five out of eight Pac-12 games that he has not finished, which is an awful trend. He ran for 99 yards, but he was, I think it was about the eight-and-a-half-minute mark of the game, he was hurt. He uh, took some shots. He did we take bo- some shots. Both times, multiple times in this game, you and I were just like, dear Lord, like, like gosh, how yeah. does he get up after hit those types of hits? But uh, Cristobal said after the game, he thinks that's not serious. Kayvon Thibodeau left on, I think, the second to final play of the game. Um, he, he hurt his arm, it looked like. Cristobal also sort of said that one wasn't significant, which is one of those things where if he has an idea that Verdell and Thibodeau aren't significant, yeah. I think that speaks to the fact that the Hansen thing, he doesn't have an answer to that problem. Again, no one read too much, that's probably a bad sign, but... Yeah, from an injury perspective, um, you hope Red's available going forward. You hope Hansen's available going forward. Obviously, Verdell and uh, Thibodeau, it sounds like they should be okay, but you want to be kind of monitor that, and that's something that we'll be kind of keeping tabs on. Uh, Chris Paul speaks again on Monday. He'll Typically, that's when he designates if the injury is serious enough that the player's out for an extended period of time. If he's not out for an extended – like, if Chris Paul comes out on Monday and says they're, they're still evaluating Hansen, that could be a good sign, but yeah. um, right now I don't think you feel very good about that. All right. This team, body language, we've been around this team a lot the Mm -hmm. last three or four years. Um, A lot of the main guys on this team have been those same players during that same time span. I I think talking to the team tonight, I, I got a little bit of a sense that the next couple of days, next 48 hours, is gonna really be important for how this team follows up this loss. Because they're clearly hurt. Yeah. All of them, even Crystal Ball, said guys are not happy. Guys are hurt. This is not. This has not gone the way that they had envisioned their senior seasons. Their final, you know, this season ending, and how this team regroups from it is, to me, a bigger storyline. Whether the Oregon State's coming in fighting for a bowl game or not, uh, what they how they stop Isaiah Hodgkins in this OSU offense, like. The biggest thing for me now going into this one is what is the psyche of this football team going to be like? Because they were asked, brutally, honestly, as, mm-hmm. as brutally as it sounds, you are out of the playoff. And you, you talk for three or four weeks now of your, you are in that discussion. You deserve to be in that discussion. And now you are not. How do you, how do you react from that? How concerned are you that this team won't be able to flip the script and, and, get themselves ready and fired back up again for a Civil War game, 
a Pac-12 championship game and finish the year strong. Yeah, no, it's it's. I don't have answers. I don't. None of us do. But it's going to be anyway. This uh, to me, this upcoming week is going to be the most telling week about this of this entire season. And you can say that when you get late in the year, obviously. But they were handed a lot of adversity. I think a lot of it self-created in terms of losing this game to Arizona State. Now they have to find a way to pick themselves back up, get past Oregon State, and then, hey, you give yourself a chance to play in the Rose Bowl. And actually have a chance to play in the Rose Bowl regardless of what happens against Oregon State. If they can go beat Utah and they can figure that out, they can still be in Pasadena on on January 1st. Um, But again, the, the reality is... There's a really wide variance right now of where they can end up in terms of postseason play. We know now that they won't be in the college football playoff, but it could be Rose Bowl, it could be Holiday Bowl, it could be Alamo Bowl. Um, it could be it a lot of It probably eliminates. So going in. New Year's in, Six Bowl yes. of the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so I agree that, with that. Was, that was. It went from Oregon going, hey, if you can get to the conference championship game 11 and 1, no matter what happens in that game, you're playing in a New Year's Six Bowl game, whether that's the college football playoff whether that's the Rose Bowl or whether you lose and you get an at-large bid into, like, the Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. That that was that was almost, not I want to say guaranteed, but that was very, very, very likely, like high probability. And now I think a two-loss, or it would now be a three-loss Pac-12 team I don't who really doesn't have a, a real big signature win to their name, they're probably not going to get into the New Year's Six. Yeah, I don't know if they would. If they beat if they beat Oregon State and then lose to Utah in the conference championship game, I think that'd be tough. Yes. a tough sell. And so now this becomes, like uh, like you said earlier on in the podcast, of this thing could spiral out real quick. Mm-hmm. And a season in which for 90% of it you, you, you thought they are living up to expectations, they are exceeding expectations, and... Now all of a sudden it could spiral out and, and you're in a position where it's oh boy like they're playing in the Holiday Bowl how how did we get here are guys gonna play like we saw Royce Freeman not play um, that's gonna be and so that that's like that goes to your point of this being the most pivotal week of the season sure is. is what 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 does this team want this season to be known for one that they continue the ascension of the program and they get to a Rose Bowl and win a Rose Bowl. Win a Rose Bowl. Huge season if they win a Rose Bowl. Huge season. And you know that's I think that's the point. Fans are going to be upset, and I don't want to be too much of hey excuses need to be made and yada yada yada. Um, but at the same time, if you were told at the beginning of the year Oregon loses two regular season games, they get to the conference championship, they win that, they play in the Rose Bowl against a Penn State. And they win it. They win 11 games. They finish in the top 10 in the rankings. Everyone would take that, right? Like, everyone would not be against that outcome. And that's still available for this football team. Yeah, the reality is they could still be 12, I think, what, 12 and 2? Yep. Uh, and win a Rose Bowl. That's not off the table. Um, real quick, before we, before we wrap this show up now, um, Oregon will be meeting with the media. Chris of all, we'll have a Monday press conference. We'll probably get more information on the injuries, mm-hmm. what happens there. Uh, we'll also get uh, media availability with Tuesday with both the offense and the defense on DuckTerritory.com. So we'll have a full podcast there of recapping everything we've learned on Monday, uh, further review of this Oregon-Arizona State football game, um, and then we'll also have full previews of the Oregon State game. Let's end this show with a quick look at just there has to be something positive, right, to take away from this game. What, in your mind, is or or is there? I think I mean the positive is they fought at the end. I mean it, when it was twenty-four to seven with what was it eight minutes to play, 
we we were both like it's over, and I think everybody thought it was over. Yeah. They kind of resigned to it, and then with about three and a half minutes to about four minutes to play, wasn't too much time left. After that, suddenly it was hey. Maybe not. Maybe maybe there's still life in this game, and I think so. That's to me. That's the only positive you can find is, is that hey, they rallied, they fought hard. Defense didn't make the plays, but at least you can go. The offense fought. They didn't quit. They didn't get run out of the stadium. They end up losing by three. Um, obviously, you hate to lose the game, but at least they didn't quit and, and buckle under the pressure at the end, which to me feels like a good sign of what will come this upcoming week because the team didn't quit on the field tonight. I don't think they'll quit in practice next week. I think this team's going to show some resiliency. I really do think they're going to win uh, the Civil War. I don't know if they'll beat Utah. I think that's hard to project. Utah's really freaking good right now. Um, but I wouldn't certainly count it out. I know there's going to be a lot of fans that, that have totally changed their expectations and are going like, gosh, I just hope we can stay competitive with Utah. I still think that's going to be a game Oregon has a chance to win, but... Um, if, yeah, if we're finding a silver lining, and I don't know if there's a silver lining, but if you're trying to find a positive, at least you can say they fought. They fought. And I, I think that tells us a lot. Troy Dye ended his press conference mm-hmm. kind of in a walk-off, walk-off fashion. Um, he it was. W- he said that's it. Yes. Yes. Uh, he was asked just kind of how does this team cope with playing for the college football playoff and then in a blink of an eye uh, that – Possibly being taken from them and suffering a loss and the second loss of the year. How does this group, re, you know, turn it around and regroup? How do they cope with it? And his answer was perfect. He said, "My freshman year, we lost seven games. It could be worse." Yep. And that I think was a perfect answer to a question we all want to know. I think I think even to the to the point of the fan base, like they were a little dejected probably after this loss. Hundred percent there and. Knowing that, you know, hey, this program is still... I think for me, it was that the positive was that this team fought, found a way to fight, get back into a football game in which they had no business being in, and showed that at the same time, they're still a long ways away from being able to compete, I think, from a conference, for a, a, a playoff. Right. And yet... There's there's still a ways to go, and yet they're still so close. Right, that's what it is. And and that that can be such an easy sell on the recruiting trail to some of these five star recruits that are coming this weekend to the Civil War. Of they can pinpoint the certain things like a, like a Keely Ringo or a Dante Manning, and say like, we need just one more guy at this position. We need one more guy at that position, and we can get there, and we can restock the talent. And all of a sudden, a uh, conference championship berth in the Rose Bowl turns into a college football playoff berth. They're that, that close. So, uh, Oregon does not win in Tempe, uh, and Oregon now heads to Corval, heads to Eugene with a date against the Oregon State Beavers in the Civil War, trying to get to 10 and 2 on the regular season, uh, trying to end the year 8 and 1 in Pac-12 play, uh, and find a way to go into the Pac-12 championship game in two weeks against Utah with as much momentum and positive energy going their direction. So, for Eric Scopel and myself, Matt Prem, you've been listening to a post-game edition of the Odds and Audibles podcast. Thanks for listening. Adios, amigos.